0: This is a CBC Podcast.
1: Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman, and welcome to The Loop. We are days away from the first public hearing into zoning bylaw renewal, a process that could change the landscape of our city for years to come. The changes aim to reduce the number of zoning categories overall from 46 to 24, revamping a set of rules that really haven't had a major update since the 60s and creating more wiggle room for what can be built and where. Whether that's a good thing or not depends on who you talk to. CBC producer Emily Sanger has been reaching out to hear what residents have to say about the proposed change. Emily, how's it going? Oh, it's going well. Thanks for having me, Claire. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I want to get into the concerns from folks. So what have you heard? Well, people
2: in Edmonton have a lot to say about this. We had more than 100 responses to a series of online stories that the CBC Newsroom did around zoning, and I went through and read all of your comments. Thank you, everyone, who took the time to reply. There was a lot of them. Um, and I noticed some clear themes running through the comments. So I decided to call some folks and ask them you know, more about why they think this way or what their potential concerns are. One of the main themes or arguments we've heard for the zoning bylaw changes is that it will create more housing overall, which eventually will bring costs down for housing overall since there's just more stock available, right. supply and demand. I did talk to Oscar Anderson about this. He lives in the Capilano neighbourhood. Oscar talked to me about what's already happening with infill developments and affordability in his neighbourhood.
3: You don't see a $350,000 bungalow getting, getting torn down and being replaced by anything affordable. It's always, at least in this area, in Capilano, um, it's always a pair of $1 to $1.25 million houses. So I've heard some developers, you know, use the argument: well, when somebody buys one of these new houses, they're freeing up another unit for somebody else. Well, they're not going to be freeing up a three hundred fifty thousand dollars house; they're going to be freeing up, a, you know, a, a, probably an eight hundred thousand to a million dollars house. <laughs> so I, I, I see a lot of the arguments around um, affordability or um, equity as just really lipstick on a pig.
2: I always love that phrase, lipstick on a pig. It does describe what he feels will happen here and his concerns. And one I heard again and again is that these rules seem like they're going to benefit developers and not the people who need an affordable place to live. I've heard that quite a bit during this reporting. It was a common concern that came up. Here's another similar concern. I spoke with Valerie McDonald. She lives just south of Oscar in the Gold Bar neighborhood.
3: But this is not about... Allowing people to buy house, this has got nothing to do with this is about money. It is about building housing to be used as an investment, which I think is the major problem with housing being unaffordable that housing has become a commodity so
1: people I'm sensing a lot of frustration uh, with this approach, a lot of questions, concerns, which is not surprising that we care about housing a lot. it's our homes but What other issues are people bringing to the table outside affordability? Another big concern I heard again and again was around the
2: environment. Oscar, he talked with me more about his environmental concerns and how he thinks the cost of tearing down an older house and then replacing it with something entirely new or even with two skinny homes or a duplex. uh, He says that there just isn't a good environmental approach. He raised a concern that 50 or 75 years ago when these older suburbs were built, houses, they were just built with very different... Different materials than they are today.
3: Um, The wood nowadays is, you know, it's being you know factory grown, so it's very soft. Um, While the wood in a lot of these '50s and '60s houses is heartwood, um, and very durable and strong, and it's just being basically, it's we're we're throwing out the good stuff to to replace it with crap that's going to be, you know, need replacing in another thirty or forty years.
1: You know, I don't have a lot of experience building houses, um, so I'd never considered that side of it before.
2: That was a new one to me, too, um, but it, it does make sense. Um, it wasn't the only environmental concern, though. Uh, I spoke with Rita Loken. She's a resident in Glenora, and there's already a lot of infill happening in that neighbourhood, and here's what Rita's seeing where she lives now.
3: What I've seen is, is rows and rows of skinny homes Um With no trees, nothing, so there's a skinny home and a garage and then a skinny home and a garage, and that's all there is. There's very little yard there. Uh, The trees are gone. But when you look at these mature trees, they provide shade, right? My neighbor looks after her trees because they are her air conditioning. So think of the energy that's saved by not putting air conditioning in all these houses and leaving the trees instead.
1: You know, it's funny. I'm in a similar position. I'm lucky enough to have some mature trees. So they do kind of shade and cool down the house. But that is, I guess, one of the big differences when we're looking at new builds. Uh, So building infill, I guess it obviously changes the lots. But what about the broader effects on the neighborhood outside of those, you know, building limits? A lot of the people I spoke
2: with were worried about the look and feel of the neighbourhood overall. And that is a concern if your neighborhood's going to change in a big way. Uh, If you get a lot more infill, you could potentially have more people living in the neighbourhood in a smaller amount of space. And one issue that came up and always comes up when I'm doing this kind of reporting is parking. Mm -hmm. Uh, The City of Edmonton used to require a certain number of parking spots on a property for a secondary suite, but it got rid of that requirement to encourage more secondary suites. And in some older neighborhoods, the residents there are worried that parking issues and associated street traffic will only get worse if these zoning changes are approved. One woman I talked to about that is Mel Simmons. She lives in the Hollywood neighborhoods. She also works in real estate, so she sees houses really all over the city. Uh, she has concerns with parking if it does become easier for developers to build these multi-family units on what used to be just a single home property.
3: We still drive a lot in Edmonton. Um, we're, we're just not a bike city. We're just not a, a public transportation as much as it c- could be. People still have vehicles. And where are they going to park? The streets are already narrow, especially new areas. If you've got six units, six suites in that little, you know, 50 by 150 lot, where are they going to put six vehicles?
1: So a lot of concerns, A lot of questions. We know people are giving feedback next week. So do we have any idea how big this conversation is going to be? I think it's going to be
2: very big and the city seems to be anticipating that as well. There's public hearings. They start at City Hall on Monday and there's already um, kind of extra days added into the calendar for Tuesday and Wednesday. So that's a sign that the city knows that it's an issue where they're going to get a lot of feedback. Um, And I should say, I mean, these are all residents who have concerns, but there's also a lot of people who think this is a great idea. So we're going to hear from them as well at the hearings Monday and and this week. So after that, uh, it's not a done deal yet after the public hearing it goes to the actual city council and then the councillors will look at the draft bylaw they might make amendments and they'll ultimately vote on it and then if that is approved uh, then it will go to the city planners who will make a plan for how to implement these i guess what could potentially be sweeping changes yeah and a
1: lot of people on both sides watching it closely as i'm sure you will be too thanks for this emily thanks for having me claire Zoning has always been a hot-button issue, whether you're a NIMBY, not in my backyard, or a YIMBY, yes, in my backyard. And yes, that is a real term I discovered this week. Either way, you care, and you probably want to talk about it. One of the biggest topics of that conversation is infill. So what does zoning renewal mean for skinnies and other density-building projects in the city? Nicholas Ruebottom is the executive director of the Infill Development in Edmonton Association also known as IDEA. And Jason Cunha is the president. IDEA has been part of these conversations with the city about zoning bylaw renewal and will be presenting at council as part of the public hearings that start on Monday. Hello, Nicholas and Jason, and welcome to The Loop.
0: Hello. Thank you for having us. Hi, thanks for having us.
1: So let's get the big question out of the way. Why do you think that Edmonton needs a zoning bylaw renewal, Nicholas? Nicholas. Uh,
0: Yeah, I think the biggest reason is that uh, the current zoning bylaw has been in effect for basically decades. And in having a bylaw that uh, is that old, we often have some issues in terms of its ability to be flexible and adaptable. Um, And really, in this case, where housing needs are so important, uh, not just in our city, but in many cities, uh, we need a more flexible and adaptable zoning bylaw in order to meet those needs.
1: That flexibility, right? Uh, Jason, what could that mean or, or how would it make it easier for you to build infill projects like the one that your group is advocating for?
4: Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, the way things are right now, a significant majority of the city is zoned for single detached housing. What's being proposed in this new zoning bylaw is um, to give a little bit more flexibility in that base zone that we have. So rather than just being restricted to single detached homes, uh being able to build row housing in that type of a zone, being able to fit a few more um housing units onto a a specific parcel that can fit it um, to allow us to meet uh, better meet those housing needs that we're seeing in the city now.
1: Why do you think that this bylaw renewal is is garnering so much reaction from people?
0: I think a lot of it just comes from a bit of fear or apprehension of change in neighborhoods. Uh, Residents aren't quite sure always what the built forms or the the housing that's going to result from the zoning bylaw is going to look at, look like, sorry. And I think a lot of it just comes from really stressing the importance of understanding that this isn't going to be change that happens overnight. This is meaningful, incremental change. The kind of change that they're going to be seeing in their neighborhood is not one of a giant tower that's going up next to a (laughs) single detached home. But what we're seeing is we're seeing row housing or duplexes that are going to be next Two single detached homes, and that's kind of the changes
4: like ultimately what we're talking about is is something that is a, a really highly technical topic. Um you know this is the type of thing that you know even the developers that work here in the city they're they're hiring land planning consultants and engineers to to do a lot of the work required to to work within that bylaw. And so I think for the average Edmontonian it's it's something that's not really relevant to their day-to-day lives and and so it's kind of out of sight out of mind whereas right now because we are going to uh, the city's public hearing potentially to approve the proposed zoning bylaw next week, um, that suddenly brought it front of mind and you've started to see people engage on it because suddenly, oh, there's there's this thing and, and there's a lot of change. And of course, change is, as Nicholas said, it is scary for some people. Uh, I think it's scary for most of us, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's that immediacy of the issue right now um, and what probably feels like short timelines for people because they're just kind of realizing that this is a thing now. Um, that's bringing it front of mind, despite the fact that, you know, the city's engagement and work on this file has been ongoing since I believe it's about 2018 that the work started on it.
1: Mm -hmm. So how do you take those really technical ideas and, you know, create it so that all the folks who are maybe going to council who are nervous about this, who look at their neighborhood and think, oh, no, how do you take those technical ideas and bring them down and communicate that so that folks can understand and maybe not be as afraid?
0: Well, one thing that I've been stressing to a lot of people uh, when they have communicated fear and apprehension to me is that in a lot of these residential neighborhoods, you're you're already seeing the change. What the zoning bylaw is really going to allow is it's going to allow um, the number of hoops, so to speak, that one might have to go through in order to get the row housing, for example, in that neighborhood to be lessened. So you won't have to go through a rezoning, you can just have the the row housing in that area. So you're already seeing things that are happening in neighborhoods. So I think knowing that within a community, uh, the types of built forms that are going to result from zoning bylaw um, are already there, anyways. Mm-hmm. We're just going to be able to bring them to market faster. Um, and then I think it's really just about breaking it down to what built forms are. So most people can relate to a duplex. Most people can relate to row housing and most people know what a single detached home is. And really in a lot of ways, it's coming down to that um, as a big part of the change that we're going to see. So I think letting people relate to also what um, the housing types are is really important.
1: Mm -hmm. I want to ask about skinnies. You know, we hear of things like different nightmare situations or this glut of $700,000 skinny homes, and it doesn't necessarily speak to that idea of affordable housing. So when you're talking about this vision of infill that idea has, when you talk about these built forms, you know, how does that address the affordability issue? What are we looking at here?
4: You know, I think the kind of overarching issue that we have right now with those skinnies is, is ultimately that's what we can build right now. Um, without, as Nicholas has talked about, having to jump through a bunch of hoops with the city to be able to change the zoning and build something that would have more units and and allow for a lower price per unit, like row housing and things like that. And so that's, I think, kind of the crux of the issue right now is is skinny homes are the easiest thing for our members to build right now, which do add density. Um, And I think when you look at comparable uh, affordability, um, if you're looking at what the cost would be of uh, a new home on that single lot right now versus the individual cost of those skinny homes it is still a drop in price it is more of af- it is more affordable even if it's not necessarily at you know a super affordable level for everyone so we are seeing that and what zoning bylaw renewal is going to allow us to do in that base case of zoning is build that slightly higher density with the row housing get more units which will drop the individual price of those units and be allow us allow our members to offer that housing at a more affordable price point um i think the other issue that it's going to enable is it's going to create this uh ability to do that that form of density in the row housing across the entire city so as a developer you're not going to be looking for you know that one lot where you can do this work which ultimately is is going to command a premium because of that uh, supply restriction you're going to have the option to look at well where where are lots available across the entire city where i could go in and and do this type of uh slight uh upscale and density um and I think inherently that higher supply of available lots for that type of development is going to um, affect that price increase that we we see year over year in our city and that we're seeing in other cities around the country.
0: It suddenly makes a lot more projects viable mm. too. Like That's what's really important is that a large part of being able to... Um, bring affordability is being able to bring housing quickly to market and more a lot of developers they really want to try to do interesting projects beyond just skinnies and it's about it's about having a regulatory environment where they can make projects beyond just skinnies viable
1: how does Edmonton stack up then uh, amongst other cities when it comes to this
0: Um, In a lot of ways, our regulatory environment uh, is quite uh, progressive, which is good. I think that comes back to city plan. Uh, We have a very strong, well-established vision for the city of Edmonton as we move towards 2 million people. Um, And that's really the guiding document that um, relates to things like the zoning bylaw renewal initiative we're not really reinventing the wheel with the with the
4: zoning bylaw it's really just a response to a vision that's already been established yeah, I think you know Edmonton is actually a leader in this space, um, which I think has it plays into the fact that as we look across the country, we see affordability crises in obviously Vancouver and Toronto, but uh, even as we look to our neighbors in Calgary to the south, they're starting to see that same effect there in their city, where prices are starting to um, increase at an escalating rate, um, and we haven't seen that yet in Edmonton. It's one of those things where we can't stand on our laurels uh, in the city of uh, being at the the forefront there we we have to continue to push and see what we can do to to stay ahead of that curve of people coming to the city and li- wanting to live here and being able to provide them with homes that they can live in.
1: Mhm. So what is idea presenting to council come Monday? You're one of a ton of people that are coming forward to talk about this. So what are you bringing?
4: Yeah, i you know, so I think for us uh speaking at council next week as we plan to do uh overwhelmingly we are uh in support of the bylaw as proposed. Um you know, when it comes down to it, uh, obviously we've been working with uh, the city for a long time on this initiative and providing our feedback on it. And we're not getting everything that we would like for our members. Uh, but you know, we've we've come to compromise. We've seen where the city has been hesitant to really push the envelope on some pieces, like with respect to uh, building heights um, and site coverage, things like that, that really play into what our members could build. You know, we've looked at it as this is this is an important you know, next incremental step towards building the city um, that our city plan kind of lays out for our future. And we think this is a really good step forward to allow our membership to be able to build the type of housing that people are looking for in the city and and that we ultimately need.
1: What message do you have, I guess, for folks on the other side who may be coming to council next week, you know, from a place of maybe fear or concern for their neighborhood and their homes? And don't look at this and think it will provide the solutions that we need.
0: I think what's really important and some advice that we would offer is just be fully informed before you make a decision, especially if you're on the fence. Uh, City of Edmonton has been very earnest in engaging and providing uh, important resources about the zoning bylaw, about the process that has gone in terms of engagement. And yeah, there's also some great uh, community groups like Grow Together, for example, as somebody uh, who's been able to put a lot of information out there. So what's really important is before you make any decisions, make sure you're
4: accessing information from a lot of different sources in order to make an informed decision. Yeah, and I think just what I'd say to some of those people who are scared of the potential change um, that they think zoning bylaw renewal could bring in is take a walk in some of the neighborhoods we have in the city where this type of development has happened. We have amazing neighborhoods like Ritchie, uh, you know, obviously Oliver downtown, Strathcona, where Because of the desirability of those neighborhoods, this type of development has been able to move forward, uh, even having to jump through the hoops right now of of having to do those zoning changes. And I think those are some of the most desirable and and livable and enjoyable neighborhoods we have in the city. And ultimately that's what Zoning Bylaw Renewal is looking to do, is to bring that same type of of development and and density within the neighborhood to build those neighborhoods that have the amount of people we need to, to make them vibrant, to attract amenities to them. And I think, you know, if, if you take the time to walk around some of these neighborhoods and really see how they kind of call back to, I think, what neighborhoods used to be back in back in the day in our our central neighborhoods here in the city, you know, I, I think some of those fears will be kind of found to be a little bit unfounded.
1: The Loop is a podcast from CBC Edmonton, and our team this week is Leslie Goldstone, Corey Haberstock, and Olivia O. Oh. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonnyman. Thank you so much for listening. The Loop is recorded on Treaty 6 Territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis communities. If you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email, cbc.ca. Leave us a rating or review wherever you download the show, and you can find us on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts.